Why don't you all stand and turn to Revelation 14, if you would. I want to get right into it and uh, turn to Revelation 14. We're going to start in verse number 14. Uh, we could get a running start at this, but it's the book of Revelation, and it's hard to understand even on a casual read sometimes. So uh, I'll just do my best to explain what's going on in the background as we get into it. And then we'll read here in verse number 14 on through the rest of the chapter. And it says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine, vine of the earth, and her grapes, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress, even to the horse's bridles by the space of, of uh, by the space of uh, a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Whoa. Now, I, I know, I mean, you look at that and it's like, this is going to be not encouraging, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, I guess it has the potential to be that way. But I think that when we see it and, and, and what is actually happening at this time, uh, it, it's encouraging to the believer, although it's an awful sight. Yeah, but I, I hope to uh, uh, really preach what God has said to us here in, in Revelation 14 and preach a message called From Confusion to Clarity. Confusion to clarity. Okay, you can be seated. We're going to get started. Trust the Lord is going to bless the reading and the preaching of his word. It's always Satan's goal to disorient, isn't it? He, he wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring confusion to the believer and mankind in general, not just us that sit in this auditorium. But I am so thankful that we have the word of God. And I, I mean, I honestly, friends, I, I don't know what we would do without the truth of the word of God, where the word is sown, the truth is sown into our life, because we know that there is a lot of other uh, of, of Satan's lies that are sown into our life as well. And we can't help that. But we have the word of God to help keep us straight. Now, I, I remember you all remember the pandemic. You remember that? I try not to, but I have to from time to time. It, it was weird, about a, a, a two days before I tested positive, I think pretty much everybody did, so about two days before I tested positive for uh, COVID, I was driving home from work, the same route that I drove every single day, and I got to about Northwest 23rd Street, and I don't even know why I was there, because I don't even need to go to Northwest 23rd Street, but I had no clue where I was. It, it was the weirdest feeling I've ever, I knew I was supposed to go home, but I, I, I knew I didn't know where I was. And I pulled over off to the side of the road into a parking lot and I put my hands on my head and I'm trying to remember where am I? I was less than a mile from home. Now I found out later that part of the, some of the symptoms for some people was like real bad confusion. And so I just, I just assumed that that's what that was. 
So I, I had to put into my GPS, my, I thank the Lord I remembered my address, and I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I was thinking, man, I am too young to be losing my mind, but here it is. This is where we're going. Okay, it's a little early, but I'm, I'm there. Put in the address, and finally, man, I got oriented. I got oriented, and, and I got back to where I was supposed to be. I, I, I have to say, it's no fun to be confused. And even though, even though we have God's truth, we still have the tendency to get confused. Of the, hundred, of the 1,189 chapters that are in this Bible, two of them are before confusion sets in. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then there's Genesis 3. And from there on, God is clearing up confusion. But I have, I have to be honest with you, even chapters 1 and 2 are, 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 are for confusion because the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they had been inundated with the mindsets and thoughts of, of marriage and of, of, of philosophies and of gender and of all of these things. And so God uh, inspired Genesis 1 and 2 to clear up the confusion that was in Israel's mind about who created the earth. So even Genesis 1 and 2 is meant to clear up con confusion. But then chapter 3 came and the devil says to Eve, hath God said, boom, instant confusion sets in. She had been given God's word. She knew what God's word said. And then she was given the false lie of Satan and boom, instantly confusion. And there it is. And from that point on, we've got confusion. I mean, we live in a confused world. And the reason there is confu confusion is because there's two opposing views. If there was just one view, we would not be confused. We would know what, what the truth is. And, and, but there's, there's more than one view and there's opposing views that are out there. And there's, a confused, there's confusion about religion. Really, it boils down to, to, two, to two religions. Faith and works. Faith in Jesus Christ and then everything else. That's really what it boils down to. There's the truth and then there's a lie. I'll say it this way. God's truth, Satan's lie. I mean, just look at the first two chapters of Genesis, the, the Genesis account of creation versus what's going on today in evolution. Man, that's some confusion into our world. There's the Genesis account of gender, and then there's this idea of gender fluidity that's going around. It, it's, it's God's truth and Satan's lie. And you have a design for marriage there, and, and, and you have uh, God's design for marriage and the world's flippant view of marriage. It's God's truth and Satan's lie. And the truth, the truth is, he desires to sow confusion into the lives of believers as well. That's us. I mean, some of the heroes of the faith, the people that we love and respect the most, there, there, is, there is seasons of their life where there was a question mark. I mean, you look at David. I mean, come on, the sweet psalmist of, of Israel, the, the man after God's own heart, David. We love him and we see him as a hero. And we, and we, we say, man, he had, it, he had it so right and it was so clear in his life at one point. But, but it seems like he went from clarity to confusion because then there's Bathsheba. What happened? And every time I read through the story of Aaron, when Moses is up on the mount getting the Ten Commandments and there's Aaron and Israel and, and the golden calf, it absolutely blows my mind to see what Aaron said about the calf. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, Israel wanted a God because they didn't believe Aaron was coming back or really what they wanted was they just wanted to serve the pagan idols. And so they gave him gold and he just threw it into the fire and, and, and he, no, he didn't throw it in the fire. He, he said he did, but he fashioned it with a tool and he said, now here's your gods and worship this golden, golden calf. And then when, when, when Moses comes down, he says, I don't know what happened. I just, I just took the gold, I threw it into the fire and out popped this calf. That's confusing. 
And even before that, I mean, they were celebrating a pagan feast and they were doing some of the most vile things. I mean, the people who had just seen God work in tremendous ways, they find themselves doing some of the most sinful things, embracing Satan's lie. And then all of a sudden he goes like this. Okay, everybody, time to wrap this up. We've got to get some sleep tonight because it's the feast of the Lord tomorrow. It, basically what he said is, okay, let's, everybody, let's stop sitting because we've got church tomorrow. And, I, and that just leaves me scratching my head. And I'm like, that, that is absolutely and utterly confusing. But it's more than possible that while we have the truth, we can get confused by Satan's lies. I mean, uh, come on, this is, this is for all of us. There's, there's teens in here that, that you, are, you are living a very confused life. And the reason you're losing, uh, uh, living a confused life is because you've bought into Satan's lie. And when you buy into Satan's lie, you live in confusion. I mean, there's, it's possible that there's families, there's husbands and wives and parents and, and, and there's grandparents in here that are living a, a life of, with a question mark over it and it seems confusing and it's because you bought into the lie of the devil. Yes, God has given you the truth, but at the same time, you've received Satan's lie. And there's a question mark there. I mean, there was a time, come on, there's a time when we see it clearly, and then there's a time when it gets confusing. And we, 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 you've gone from clarity to confusion. What we need to do is go from confusion to clarity. Because we all have a way of getting confused. And what we need is we need to be restored. The restored just means to bring back, to reinstate to a former, uh, to a former condition. We, we need to be reinstated back to clarity at times. We all need it. Because we all get confused. And I think there's some teens in here that what you need in your life is you need some clarity. You need to be restored back to clarity. And there, there are some marriages in here that I would imagine at one point you saw things clearly in your life and you knew how your marriage was supposed to go and you knew the direction that God wanted you to lead your wife and your kids and now all of a sudden it's like you've departed from that and you've gone to what was so evidently clear to now what is so confusing. And that's true of the college age. Man, I, I got a heart for, for the college age. Not just the, 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 the heartland. I'm talking about the crossbearers. I'm talking about the pathfinders. I'm talking about all those who are, are in the college age. They, because, because you can graduate from high school and you can feel like you're forgotten, but you're not forgotten. I, I'm, I'm just saying that when you, when you leave maybe that, that bubble that is your, your home and you can see things clearly and you've got someone who's hearing from the Lord, leading your family, and then you get out on your own, it's real easy, easy to buy into the lie of the devil. And you've gone from clarity to confusion. And it's time to be restored. Because God has given his truth and Satan has sown his lie. And how can we get from confusion to clarity? How do we get away from Satan's lie and get back to God's truth? How is it that clarity can be restored? I want to I show us from this text what Jesus is going to do in the end days to restore clarity back to this earth. I want to see, I want to see how he's going to do it. And then, and then what I want to see is how you and I can go from confusion, if we are there, back to clarity and how we can just live a, a clear Christian life. Okay? Well, I, I think that we all would agree that our, our world needs to be restored back to clarity. And that is true, because we do need to be restored back to clarity. But I can tell you this much, when you, when, well, not you, because we're not going to be there, but when those who enter the tribulation time, friend, you want to talk about confusion. 
It's, it's going to be there. Because what, what happens is, is, is about uh, chapter 13, we enter into the midway point of the tribulation. Now, now the tribulation, for those who may not know, I don't know, is, is after the rapture. So the next appointment on God's calendar is the rapture. And so he is going to take those who are believers out of here and then starts the seven-year tribulation. And so chapter 13 is about midway through the tribulation time. And what happens is Satan has made a covenant with Israel and, and, and then he breaks his covenant. He turns his back on them and he starts to persecute them. He blasphemes God and Jesus Christ. And really ultimately what he is doing is he is being a, a counterfeit of Jesus Christ, a counterfeit of the Trinity. And, and they have the unholy Trinity, as some have called it. You have Satan, you have the Antichrist, and you have the false prophet. And there is, there is the Antichrist in that time, uh, about halfway through, he is going to have an assassination attempt. It's all in chapter 13. You can go back and read it yourself, but there's going to be an assassination attempt, and he's going to be wounded in the head. And then by the power of Satan, he is going to be raised from the dead and he is going to live again. The Bible says that he was, he was not, and he was again. Does that sound familiar to you? The son of God who came and who lived a sinless life and he lived on this earth and, and, and he, he died on the cruel cross for us. He was buried and he rose again. The, the devil does nothing new. He's a counterfeit. And then you've got the, the false prophet. And, and, and what the false prophet does is he points everybody to the Antichrist. He is pointing them to worship them. He is pointing them to think that he is God. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit of God is supposed to do towards Jesus Christ is he points people to our Father. He points people to Jesus Christ. And so what we're seeing in chapter 13 is, is the unholy trinity that is nothing more than a counterfeit of Jesus Christ. And they're there. And, and they're, they're sowing seed. They're sowing lies because what happens is, is that he, he is going to uh, uh, sow lies into the hearts of people. And he's going to make sure that they worship him and him alone. Because what happens is, is, is when he sows this seed, what he's going to do is he's going to tell the people of this earth that he is God. He, the, the false prophet, he's going to point people to the Antichrist. And he's going to say, worship him. He's going, to, he's going to build, he's going to make an idol, an image. And that image, he's going to say, you have to bow and you, and you have to worship the image. And when, and when they don't, the Bible says in chapter 13 that they're going to die. And then he's going to say this. Do you know what you need to do next? I'm going to give you the mark of the beast. And we all understand the mark of the beast, the 666. He's going to make them identify with him. He's going to make them identify. Well, what happens if they don't? Do you know what's going to happen? They're not going to be able to buy. They're not going to be able to sell. They're not going to be able to trade. And they're going to die. And really what he's communicating to the people at this point is, you have no other choice. The Antichrist is going to come in 13. He's going to turn on the Jews and they're going to say, you have no other choice but to worship the Antichrist. That's it. Or die. But God is so good because in chapter 14, what he does is he takes an event from the end of, of the tribulation time, right there at the end. And, and for the readers, he takes it and he, he takes it from the end and he inserts it here at the end of chapter 13 and verse number, in chapter number 14. And he, and he puts it in the middle and chapter 13 is the midway point. And then if you were to skip over to chapter 15, you'd pick back up in the, in the midway point of the rapture. But he takes this event from the end and he, and he puts it right there in the middle. And the reason he does that is because he wants the people of the earth to know this. 
you have more than one choice. It's not just the Antichrist. You don't just have to follow the Antichrist. He, he says this, he's going to send an angel and the angel is going to preach the everlasting gospel to the people of this earth. And the, ever, the everlasting gospel is just the simple gospel. The fact that man is at odds with God and Jesus Christ died for our sins and man has the choice to either accept the punishment, the payment that Jesus gave on the cross or we can accept our own. It's the simple gospel. And, and, the, and Jesus Christ says this. He, he sends the angel and he says, worship God. That's what he says. Worship God. Well, why is he saying that? Because the Antichrist is saying, worship me. He says, give God glory. Well, why is he saying that? Because Satan has always wanted the glory of God. And then he says, worship the creator because he was telling people to worship him. I, I'm just saying, he's, he's sowing, Satan is sowing his lie. And God is saying here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sow the truth. And there's confusion, not because of the truth, but because people are buying into a lie. That's what's going to happen. And then, and then he says this, oh, okay, you want to know, you, you really have a choice. He gives them a choice. You have to choose between God's truth and Satan's lie. That's your choice. And then he gives the results of each. He says, okay, if you want to choose, if you want to choose Satan's lie, well, he, here's what you're going to have. You're going to have the wrath of God, undiluted, unmixtured wrath of God that's poured into a cup of indignation. Now, you might not know what that is, but that's not good. And really what he says after that, he says you're going to be tossed into hell and you're going to be, you're going to be there for eternity and the, and the smoke is going to rise forever and forever. That's their state, those who receive the lie of the devil. And then he comes over here and he says, okay, those who accept the God's truth, the everlasting gospel, the simple plan of Jesus' salvation, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have peace. You're going to be at rest for eternity. God's truth or Satan's lie. That's our choice. It seems like a simple choice. But man is so confused that the, the rebellion of man wants their own way so bad that they're going to choose a lie over the truth. And what we have in this text is we have two harvests. Two. One is the harvest of grain that, that you would find in, in chapter 16. Now, I'm not going to go into all of what takes place in these two harvests. One will be in chapter 16. That's the first one. And the second one will, will, will go into detail in chapter 19. But in, but in chapter 16, you'll see that, that uh, Jesus opens up vials and pours out wrath upon the people of earth. And in chapter 16, he, he basically says this. Well, what's going to happen is after the rapture and the Christians are taken out, do you know that Christianity is going to continue? Christianity is going to continue? It will. Because you know that there's 1.3 billion Catholics on this earth. Do you know that there's, I think, seven, over 17 million Mormons. There's 8 million uh, Jeho Jehovah's Witnesses. And not everybody that falls under the umbrella of Christianity is going to be able to go off into eternity with Jesus Christ. Be because those who believe in the, in the doctrines of those faiths are not going to make it to heaven if they are believing in those doctrines. So a form of Christianity is going to continue and those people will buy into the lie of the devil. They will bow to the idol. They will take on the mark of the beast. And we, and we can see here in this, first, uh, in this first harvest, you can go back to Matthew chapter 13. And you can see uh, Jesus with the, the wheat and the tares. And I'm not going to go into that because Pastor preached through that about a year ago or so. But I think that you all understand is that, the, that Jesus has sown the seed, the wheat into the earth. And, and Satan has sown, sown the tares. 
And they're so sim similar, almost indistinguishable to the eye that it causes confusion. And we say, okay, what is truth and what is not? Well, that's not for us to decide who is saved and who is not. That's not really for us to decide because Jesus is going to do his work and he's going to come down as we read here in this first harvest and he's going to put his sickle into the earth and he is going to reap. And he is going to separate those who are lost from those who are saved. He is going to take the true ones and he is going to, do, he's going to take them up to heaven and he is going to take the counterfeit and he is going to toss them into hell. That's the first harvest. And then the second, second harvest is what we know as the battle of Armageddon. And, and he says that he's got a, a, a one angel that comes from the temple and then a second angel that comes from the altar. And what's the deal with the angel that comes from the altar? Well, I'll tell you, it goes all the way back to chapter 6, verse number 9 through 11, when there are the martyred saints under the altar and they cry unto God who, who is at the altar and they say to him, How long, Lord? How long until you avenge our blood? How long until you, until you deal with the people who are against you and are against us and are against your word? God, how long? You know what he told them? Just rest a while. You just rest. Well, about 42 months later, do you know what happens? He reaps. He reaps. And he comes to the earth and he casts out his sickle. And, and what's going to happen is the, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to gather up the world's armies and they're going to descend upon a place called the Valley of Megiddo. And it says it's 1,600 furlongs. And that, and that means this, 200 miles deep. Sometimes we can think of, the, uh, of that place as just being, I don't know, not too long, uh, maybe a football field's length. No, I'm telling you, the, ar the, the world armies are going to descend upon that place and Jesus is going to come down and with the word of his mouth, he is going to deal with the rebellion that's taken place against, against him and he is going to reap. And the Bible says that the blood will burst forth from these rebels, this rebellion against God, and it will fill up to the horse's bridle. That's what it says. And he said, I don't understand how that can happen. I don't understand how that can happen either, but I know everything else in the Word of God has been true, so that must be too. And so it just means quite a bit uh, amount of people that are coming, and, and they're coming to Jesus Christ, and they're coming to fight against God, and they're coming to fight against Jesus. He's going to reap. He's going to deal with that rebellion. And he's going to take the false prophet and he's going to take the antichrist and he's going to pluck him up and Satan himself and he's going to throw them into the lake of fire. Right. And then you know what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is going to take his rightful place on the throne in the kingdom. I'm telling you, what does that look like? Clarity. Clarity. Where Jesus, can you imagine a, a, a time where there is no vote? We don't have to go and cast a ballot as to who we're going to elect. We don't have to vote on any laws because what Jesus says goes. And it's going to be completely and utterly perfect. There will be no flaws. There will be nothing like that. It will be Christ reigning, perfect rule, Jesus Christ, absolute clarity. The rebellion is destroyed. Do you want to know how the world is going to have clarity in the end times? The rebellion is destroyed. There will be clarity when the rebellion is destroyed. You say, well, what does that have to do to us? Well, this was written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. And there was a particular church there called Thyatira. 
And, and, and for, for a good part, there was, the Bible says that there was a lot of good things going on in Thyatira. It's like the preacher was preaching. He was saying what he needed to say. A lot of the people were doing what they were supposed to do. It's like the good seed was being sown. But then there was a woman in the church that he calls Jezebel. Jesus calls her Jezebel. And he says, this, this woman Jezebel has deceived the people and she has, she has caused many people to commit fornication. And she has caused them to, to take of the feasts. And she called herself a prophetess. And he said that there's this, there's this pastor that's standing up and, the, and then he is speaking the truth of the word of God. And then there's this Jezebel, this prophetess who is sowing the seeds of a lie, the seeds of Satan into the people. I wonder what Jesus did about that. I wonder if he just slapped her on the wrist and said, no, no, no. That's not how Jesus deals with rebellion. Because what I'm about to say can be kind of a shocking to our sensitive culture, but nevertheless, it's still in the word of God. Because do you know what he said? He said, I am going to take that Jezebel and I'm going to take her children, which is her followers. I'm going to cast them into bed and I'm going to kill them. Yep. What? <laughs> Our Lord? Our Jesus said that? He did. Because he cares about clarity. And he doesn't need his church to go about, go around uh, into, into a world or, or to take on the thoughts of the world. He doesn't want his church living in confusion. And so in order to deal with the confusion that was in the church, he came over to Jezebel and he said, you need to get this right because I'm going to take you and your children and I'm going to deal with you. And do you know when Jesus dealt with her, do you know what happened? Clarity. Because in order for there to be clarity in Thyatira, he needed to deal with the rebellion. Now, I am so thankful that we do not have that at Southwest Baptist Church. Can I get an amen? amen. I mean, I, I am so thankful that our pastor preaches it straight and he gives us right doctrine. And, 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 and the people of this church, I, I am so convinced, are on board. And there's nobody out here sowing seed and sowing the lies of Satan and, and, and people getting into their little groups and, and, and having this little clique and, and spreading false doctrine. That's not happening here. I am so thankful for that. And we, we ought not to, we ought not to uh, take that for granted. That we have a church that's filled with unity. But do you know what I've come to find out? That there is a rebel inside of me. And there is a rebel inside of each and every one of us. And the rebel wants to rule. And the rebel likes the lies. It wants to give us direction. Sir, it wants to give your family direction. When the rebel rules. Young people, it wants to tell you the very things that your parents say for you not to do is okay to do. Kind of like, I don't know, Eve. Hath your parents said. <laughs> Confusion. And what happens when the rebel rules is confusion. We live a confusing life. Do you know that when um, confusion continues, it's because the rebel persists? And come on, we, we, I've gone through seasons of time where I am, I'm just not thinking right. 
I'm not thinking like the Lord would want me to think. I'm not acting like the Lord would want me to act. All, all, all I know is something is going on up here. And do you know what I find to be the case every single time? I have taken Jesus Christ off the throne of my heart and I have let the rebel rule. And the reason so, so often that, 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 that we, we live and exist in confusion is because we're trying to rule our own life. And all God has to do to destroy us is to turn us over to ourselves and allow us to rule. And, and I, just, I just wonder, I, I wonder if there's some, some, some families in here that at one point, man, you are seeing things clearly. It's like your family was here. Your family was excited to be here. Your family was involved in ministry. Your, your family was, I, I, I don't know, praying together. They were singing songs together. It was like there was the joy of the Lord together. And suddenly something slipped over time. And little by little by little, all those things started saying, I'm going to pull back here. I'm going to pull back there. We're not going to do this anymore. And confusion has set in. And I just wonder if we have to attribute that to, to the rebel's rule. We might have to consider it at least. But we, hey, we got to get, we have got to get back to clarity. And I don't think everybody in here is in a state of confusion. But I think that there are probably some that are dealing with conf confusion at this point in time. Well, well what are we going to do? How are we going to restore clarity into the believer? Do you want to know how we're going to restore clarity to the believer? The rebel must be broken. God doesn't take kindly to rebels. I mean, come on, it, it is the most confusing thing to me, uh, Copes, when, when, when uh, students at Heartland, they, they come and they, they graduate, they hear the doctrine of the word of God, they're taught by Rocky the Baptist, they're taught by other people, they're taught by Brother Gaddis, the, the truth of the word of God, and then all of a sudden, it's like they get out of here and they go, and they go a totally different direction. Maybe they, they're not in church, or, or maybe they're off doctrinally. I'm like, how in the world does that happen? You can go all the way back here to the time at Heartland and you know what you find? The seeds of rebellion. Because the seeds of rebellion at Heartland are going to flourish out in ministry. And what happens is the rebel here is wanting to rule. And they'll say, I mean, I've heard all the, I've heard it all the time. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of not like this Heartland cookie cutter mold. You know, I'm just kind of different. No, you're a rebel. That's what you are. That's what you are. <laughs> You all, me. It's kind of a maverick. Do things my own way. No, you're a rebel. There's no rep, There's no mavericks in the ministry. We don't do things our own way. We do it his way. And the reason people go out and, and they're all off on their doctrine or they're living in a way that ought not to be lived, that they know, is, they know is wrong and they were given the truth is because they have allowed the rebel to rule their life. It's the way it works. You want to know, Harlan students, okay, you want to know the best thing you can do for your ministry someday. I mean, learn the doctrine. Learn the word of God. Do it. Get A's in your classes. Get all the information that you can have. But the best thing that you can do is learn how to not let the rebel to rule. you got to break the rebel. Amen. The rebel must be broken. Because doctrinal issues are heart issues. You say, I don't understand that. Well, let's say, oh, come on, if it's in the word of God, and he says it plainly and clearly, and we still say, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. 
Who's ruling? The rebel. And there's confusion. I mean, come on, and, and that, that's, that's true of, of, of high schoolers, that's true of, of, of uh, college age, that's true of every age in here. Man, how in the world is it, hey, how in the world, teenagers, is it that you can stand before Brother Seth every Sunday, I said every Sunday, and he gives you the truth of the Word of God, and you can come up here, and you can hear Pastor Gaddis preach the way he's preached, and then go out and live some, some way other than the truth of what you hear. Why is that? Because you're a rebel. You've allowed the rebel to rule. And you want to know the best thing that you can do for your life? You need a rebel that's broken. And that is true for husbands and families and marriages. There's no way to do marriage other than God's blueprints. I don't have my, I just feel like I'm going to let my wife lead. This is kind of what works for us. Okay, but that's not what Jesus says. That's not what he says. And you can be passive and be a rebel. I mean, we got to, come on. And, and we can be passive in our parenting and still be rebels. Because we know, we, hey, we know they ought to be in church. But this sporting event, come on, it's just, they're just, they're 15 once. And at one, at one time, it was so clear. I mean, come on, before we had kids, we knew how to tell everybody how to raise their kids, right? I mean, come on, how could they let their kids go and miss church on this kind of day? It's so clear. <laughs> and all of a sudden, years later, it's confusing. Something happened from clarity to confusion. And it went from God's rule to the rebel's rule. So, how do we break the rebel? How do we? Okay, well, here's what Jesus did. Because I'm telling you, the, the rebels that were at that time they were not mistaken. They were outright, um, outright rebels against God. God haters because he had sent the two witnesses. He had sent the 144,000. He, he, he had sent the angel to preach the everlasting gospel and they rejected and they rejected and they rejected and they rejected. They are outright haters of God. And he gave them every chance to repent but they would not. And that's why he did what he did. And that's why he will do what he will do at the Battle of Armageddon. Um, the woman in Thyatira, the Jezebel. I, I, lo I love this. He, he, he says to her, he says to, to the pastor of the church, listen, I gave her a space of grace. I gave her time to turn from her rebellious ways. He says this, but she repented not. And so he says that I'm going to do this to her. But he says, this is what's so beautiful, is like God wrapped the judgment with grace. Because on the other side of the judgment that he said, I'm going to take her, and I'm going to take her children, I'm going to cast them to bed, I'm going to take their life. And then he says this, except they repent. 
It's almost like I'm giving her one, <laughs> I'm giving her one more chance. You get that? No, it's just like wrapped in grace. Uh, I gave her a chance to, re to, to, to repent, but she didn't. And, and so because, I, because she didn't repent, I'm going to do this. Unless she repents. Wrapped in grace. And, and, and I would say this. The only way to break, break a, re a rebel is for the rebel to lay down his arms. And we, and we, we, we cannot be passive about rebellion. In the Christian life, we have to be active. And the only way in which I know how to do so is to come to an altar and repent. That's, that, that's the Bible way to surrender and say, God, I have been ruling my life. I have been on the throne of my life. The rebel has been ruling and I want to surrender that and I want to give that over to you. I wonder what would happen. Clarity. When there's been confusion, there will be clarity. There is clarity when the rebel is broken. And I'd encourage you that if God is, has shown to you something in your life that's rebellious or of a rebellious nature, you, just, you talk to God about it and go back to a, a clear living Christian life. Would you all stand? And every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know who all here, who all is here and what the Lord may speak into your heart about, but I can tell you this much. God is so good and so gracious. He loves us enough to give us a passage like this that helps us to see that he is giving us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn from our rebellion. He loves us. And he's gracious. And so I'm going to pray with you and, the, and then the music is going to begin and the altar will be open. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you for your kindness and your love and the grace that you show us each and every day. I thank you, God, that you have been so good to our church and given us such wonderful unity and care for one another. And yet, Lord, I know that within each and every one of us, there exists one who wants his own way. So I pray that you'd help us as a church to turn from those and to turn to you and to give you our lives. And we, we will thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.